Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. submitted questions and again we we are not know-it-alls most of y'all that really know us you know that we're not crystal is i'm not <laughs> uh, i'll throw that on her so uh i've got wires running everywhere but um it, it is an it's a really there's so many times i think I've, I've i've shared this with you guys before but there's so many times i'll come in uh to this room and i'll pray uh, in the morning, or it may be at certain times, and and I really am so grateful uh, for the honor and the privilege that we get to uh, to pastor. Um, one of the things that I'm thankful for is that this is not my church. Uh, this church belongs to God, so that really takes the weight and the pressure off uh, for any for anything. So, um, and you know. Whatever type of mentality that, you know, hey, your pastor, you do it by yourself. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I'm thankful that God gave me someone. Um, it's interesting. I read in the book of Proverbs. It's my favorite book of the Bible. I read it every morning. Uh, let, let me rephrase that. Sometimes when I'm exhausted and tired, I miss it. And so I listen to it. Put it on that weird voice on your Bible app. And he's talking so British or whatever. And it's, he's, it's like, man, I love that. But I wish they would put it in Morgan Freeman. Okay, I got to get back on track. Morgan Freeman is better than James Earl Jones any day of the week. I looked for it last night. I really did. He's got the smoothest voice. He's one of my favorite actors. Him and Denzel, man, I tell you what. But anyway, um, but I, I listened to the proverb. And there was one that talks about, and it's circled and highlighted. Pastor Chris preached Sunday about your Bibles and uh, you know, th- this thing is marked up. I get a new one every week. <laughs> Me and Gage bit. We got bit by the same bug. So, uh, but I- I'm just all about some leather. I got to get on track. See there, what happens? Um, but I- I- I've been riding in this one this year. I try to get one every year and read a different version every year. But I've been stuck on the NAS. And uh, in Proverbs, it says that um, that houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. And I'll stop. And prudent means um, wise, thoughtful, intelligent, thinks things through. I don't. <laughs> she does. But it, it's, it's a prudent wife that comes from the Lord. And so that's one that I, oh my God, thank you so much. And husbands, it's important that you do. And even if you don't have a, a spouse yet, a wife, uh, but it's important that you you specifically pray for the Lord. I actually got this from someone in this room. Said that before my wife's feet ever hits the floor, I pray for the grace of God, that, that unmerited favor to be upon her life because she's going to have the two babies there at the house, uh, well, at least until the fall starts and Elijah's going to school. But she has them there. Yeah, I know, celebrate. Woo! Got Kind of like the first part of empty nesters, kind of, sort of, a little bit. Just a little small taste. But I'm the one that cries a lot on that stuff. So anyway, I didn't think I would. 
And I, I think it's important that we cover our spouses. Pray for the great, God give her grace today. Let her have that unmerited favor that only you can give to strengthen her. And uh, again, some of us, we, we, if you don't have that spouse yet, you need to be praying them in. So anyway, I'm not going to get deep into all that. We want to jump right in because we're going to answer these questions that many of you have sent in. Um, and uh, so anyway, we're just going to jump in. I talked about uh, the first week, really the power of what covenant truly means. Um, covenant is a very, uh, we see it, Jesus is all of the Old Testament. Anytime God was getting ready to do something, he would make covenant. And covenant is between him and man. It's between both of us. Well, um, it's in marriage covenant, you don't get out of it simply because you disagree. And we're going to talk about that. Um, you, you get, some of us get selfish. We don't know how to compromise. Covenant never changes, right? You know, there's the covenant. The commitment is always, and the compromise must happen. It has to happen in a marriage. You have to learn how to compromise. Um, and I, my mind can go so many ways right now, but we're going to stay on task and stay on point. So you didn't tell me that either. So that's just what I understand. Okay, let's go. All right, first question. Um, you want to read this one? Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Well, you're, the, you're, this is, you're the good one on this one. I learned from you. Uh, the first question is this. Can you elaborate on the importance of forgiveness in a relationship? Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper tonight on some of this stuff. So um, you, you've got you've to go on this one. Um, I feel like forgiveness, trust, and grace are the foundation of every relationship that you have. Um, people are human, so they're going to do things that's going to hurt you, and you have to choose to forgive yeah, absolutely. Um. I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, um, and I didn't, I didn't understand forgiveness truly uh, until she demonstrated it a lot of times. But in one time specific, it is a, I learned at that moment, you always hear it. You know, you hear pastors get up and say, forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. But until you actually walk into the scenario and the situation, um, everything changes. I was talking to a real... And I listen. I, I listen and learn. I'm never the smartest person in the room, and neither are you. Whatever room you're in, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, you're never going to be the smartest person in that room. You're in the wrong room if you are. But I remember uh, just even just recently, uh, a friend of mine, we went out and had lunch one day. Uh, he doesn't attend church here. And he told me, he said um, that... In a relationship and in a marriage, what you don't understand is when you said, I do, and when you stood before the pastor or the justice of the peace, and man and woman, by the way, uh, and you made your vows, he said, what you did not understand is that you gave your spouse, uh, you gave your spouse a gift that you never knew you gave, and it's called trust. You, you gave that to them, and when it's broken... And we've, we've had different conversations. When that trust is broken, whether it's something sim, small and little or something really big, maybe it's infidelity or something of that, that magnitude, and you're looking to restore, it's not something that can be, the bigger, obviously, the, the, prob, the, bigger the, the, the issue, the, obviously, the longer it takes to forgive, and it's a process, and so the other person has to be patient to walk with that person. And I, I say bend over backwards. Why do I say that? Is because, look, it's not the other one taking advantage because you did wrong, but it's, it is a process, and forgiveness works itself in layers. 
That's what I've seen. Now, I'm not saying it may be for you, but I've had to learn that that thing has to work itself in layers, but both have to be working towards that. If they're not, one is, because, again, one's mindset can be on something totally different one day and be upset and mad. The other one's trying to, so there is just, God has to work that. Only God, I mean, Jesus himself was on the cross in his last, uh, two of the last phrases he said before he said it's finished. He said, Father, forgive them. And he's the only one that could hold of, he's the only one that, that could have held bitterness, unforgiveness, and offense but he chose not to. It was a choice not to, even with his flesh hanging like ribbon, ribbons. And so those of us, uh, I, I feel like that it's very important that we learn from those that have done that. Uh, and, and you understand that it's never going to be a feeling. It has to be a choice. And it may be gritting my teeth when I say it, but you have to do it. Anything else you want to and add? And sometimes it's waking up daily and saying, I choose to yeah. forgive. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And also, forgiveness is not just for the other person, but it's for you too. I feel like it's very detrimental to your health, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, to forgive. Because if you choose not to forgive and hold on to it, it will slowly kill you. Absolutely. Because unforgiveness isolates you. It literally does. You build an invisible prison around your mind. Um, and it starts one stone at a time. I just recently heard someone say about strongholds. Unforgiveness is a stronghold. Um, because you, you think that you're doing yourself a favor by walling yourself in and protecting yourself from everybody else. But what you're doing in that whole process is it, a, a stronghold is not, one, is, not one, is not one stone. But it's one upon one upon one. It's situation after situation until eventually you've built yourself inside your own mindset uh, somebody's going to get this tonight. Maybe you don't struggle with, maybe you're the one that needs it, but you're just kind of passing it over. But you need to give it. But, but that unfor- And we talk a lot in the church about unforgiveness. But, um, and it's not that you, let me just say, I'm not downplaying what somebody did to you, especially your spouse or a friend, because it's always the ones that we love the most that hurt us the deepest, right? Am I not right? People walk away from us. They walk out of our lives. When the whole time, maybe it could have been that, man, God was protecting you. Not saying it was a spouse, but maybe it was a friend or someone to that effect. So anyway, I'll leave that alone. I could go really deep with unforgiveness. But I, I, really, I really pray that God would open your heart tonight. Again, we don't have all the answers. We're not. But just what we have walked through in the short amount of time that we've been married um, and, you know, coming up on 15 years, it's, it's a lot. So anyway, here's the next question. <clears throat> How do you deal with a spouse who has wandering eyes, and we kind of combined one because the other one is like example pornography. Um, I would encourage you, um, whichever, most of the time, let's be honest, most of the time it's the, it's the man that has the wandering eye. Um, uh, I'm not saying all the time. Sometimes it can be the lady as well. Uh, what, what, I would, what I would say, ladies, is to, to have that conversation with, them, with him. I, I think sometimes, and, and I'm not... <laughs> Be real. We're going to be transparent tonight. You've heard Pastor Eddie say it I, I, at times when he talks about it. He said, I might be old, but I'm not blind. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things that you, you allow yourself, men, to look for a long time and allow yourself to slip in. It's not that we don't observe and see. Let me, God, that don't sound good at all. I told you it's going to be like a train wreck on some of this stuff. <laughs> observe. It's not that you don't notice, but where does your heart go whenever you look? Um, and you, you I, I, I would want my wife to say, what are you doing? 
know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but I think it's important that you need to call them on it. Um, and sometimes it may be, and don't play dumb, men. You may at first not really know that you're doing it, and you've built a habit your whole life of doing this. Sometimes that's the case. Not always. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but good and well, you know what you're doing. So I would say um, I'm not going to go deep in this with my personal story with pornography but because uh, I've shared that testimony so many different times. I'm processing. Pornography is uh, in the church, according to some of the research, uh, I think it's Barna Research did, what was that, four years ago, that, um, oh, I'm scared to say, it was a high percentage of men in the church, but the women were coming right alongside the men in the church of pornography. First off, I want to say, if you're, I know this is going to be different because I've heard this before, not out of Christian men, but different. Uh, if that's something you watch to help you in a specific way, stop. I know that's, we laugh and we snicker, but stop that. All that's, it's perverted. Satan cannot recreate anything. All he can do is take what God created and pervert it. He can't create anything. It's teaching men, it's teaching you to look at a woman as a piece of meat. <clears throat> and that's not what they're supposed to be. It affects more than you know. It's an open door. Uh, I think you, you can, I watched an interview with Ted Bundy. Uh, I don't know if anybody, any of you have ever seen the interview. And, it, and he was raised in a Christian home, but it started with pornography. And then it led to murder. So it's an open door that devastates you. I don't care if it's, it's well, it's not really considered pornography, Pastor. First off, it's adultery of the heart. Um, and that, that's, that brings death to you. So I'm, I, I would encourage you to remove it. And if you think there's no, no harm, no foul, because there's no physical contact, you got another thing coming. Because, again, you've just opened that door. That's all the enemy needs is a crack in the door, and then he's, he'll end your marriage. It starts right there. We know because we were there. So I, I'm just telling you, you steer clear of it. Get off of whatever platform that you have that you see it eliminate those things you have to eliminate that from your life not just because you have a calling the ministry but simply because it destroys uh your vision god's vision for your spouse in your life all right i'll leave that alone so um did i answer all of that okay just making sure um you want to get this one uh, the next few questions were about social media. And the first one was, does it consume you? I personally do not have a, an issue with social media. I set a time limit on my phone for those of you who do need to set limits. I have about an hour and a half on my social media. And most of that is spent, if you know me, is spent looking at health stuff. So I don't do a whole lot of social media. Yeah, I I did. <laughs> I could not stop scrolling. It's just like, oh, my goodness, look. Oh, my goodness, look. Oh, my goodness. It's just one thing to the next. And some, some stories are, I know, it's like some of the faces, like, I don't know what he's talking about. It was like, stop the scroll, hashtag stop the scroll. Um, but I, I was thinking, because for me, it's, it goes from so many different things. And sometimes there are situations that happen, and, and it can turn into nothing more than just a, um, 
an escape. Still, yeah, that, but also, uh, oh my goodness, my mind, my mind's left me on that. It can turn into just like uh, this. Everybody's spilling all their life, their life stories about, oh, this is going on, and I can't, don't eat at McDonald's again because I found a roach in my food. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, please, don't share that stuff. You know, we we just don't want, we don't want to know that. So. Uh, for me, I took a break from it, uh, still on a break from it, because it is, it's something that you have to guard yourself against. Um, you, you moved it, right? There it is. Oh, you got it. Go ahead. Is it okay uh, to interact with posts of someone you've had a ro- romantic relationship with? These next few questions are all my opinion only. You do what you want with them. But my answer is absolutely not. I do not have... Any relationship that I've had, even since middle school, they are not on my Facebook or Instagram. That is just an open door for temptation. Let me pastor you. Don't. Don't do it. Um, there's, there's a lot of people, well, we're, it's okay. It's something harmless and all that stuff. Do you remember the series called Guardrails? <laughs> That's all I have to say. If you haven't heard that series, hopefully we hit it again before long, but Guardrails is something that you have to have established in your marriage. Um, that's, that is a guardrail of eating with the opposite sex. Um, if they're not your spouse, do not confide in the opposite sex if you're married and they're not your spouse. Unless it's a brother, I don't know, whatever. But uh, do not, if it's, that, that's something that's, do not do that. Don't ride with them somewhere if it's just you both. Um, and like I said, many of you have heard this before, but that, that's something that I wouldn't open that door. I mean, if there was ever a flame there, don't do it. Don't do it. And, and not even just if there was ever a flame. If, if something about your heart begins to flutter and when you see them, you rearrange the way you walk and where you go and uh, at the office or in the grocery store, whatever it is, the ball game, let's just call it what it is there, you do not go. You avoid that. You avoid that. I encourage you to avoid it. Unless it's just all, if all, impossible. So, um, the next one says, are chat rooms okay if you're married? No, 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 Is no. your bedroom considered a chat room? Because you can go chat with your wife in your bedroom. If you want a chat room, go talk with her. Turn your house into a chat room. How about that? Uh, just you and your spouse. Um, no. No, not at all, and not in any way. I, I would, I would avoid those. My, my question to you is, what's the point for it? That's what I want to know. I mean, are, are you going? Well, I want to get in and talk about Bible or debate those things and I don't, whatever. I don't know. Uh, I, I would avoid those things. Don't open those doors again. Guardrails. Um, <clears throat> the next one, um, the next one is, is a heavy one. Uh, what is the definition of abuse in a relationship? You want to answer this one? So I feel like abuse can fall under several different categories. Um, There's physical abuse, sexual abuse, and emotional mental abuse. Physical abuse to me is someone that um, touches your body that causes you harm. And then sexual abuse would be anything that somebody does sexually against your will. And mental emotional um, abuse would be using words or manipulation to hurt someone, manipulate them, or belittle them. Yeah, yeah, and... Um, which all of those, uh, a lot. I would say this, especially when it comes to spouses uh, or moms and dads to children. Uh, just personally, from my experience, is manipulation. 
And for whatever reason, previously I was reading, uh, no, I know what it was. It was, the, it was the Lord speaking to me about, he took me back to uh, 1 Samuel chapter, oh my goodness, uh, 15, whenever, uh, I'm sorry, I've got a lot on my mind right now. But whenever um, Saul offers the sacrifice, Saul offers the sacrifice and, uh, there it went. Saul offers the sacrifice and God told him not to do it. But he did it anyway. He disobeyed. The Lord showed up and he talked about it's better to obey than to, to, uh, than sacrifice. And then he says that um, that that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And it's beginning to talk about all of that. And uh, I was looking over all of that stuff and rebellion and looking at the whole process of that manipulation is also a form of those things like getting someone to, to do what you want them to do. And spouses, can't we do that often when you get upset? You pout in the in in, in 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 the living room or whatever it may be about something that you you didn't want to eat that tonight. You wanted to eat out, which I know nothing about. Um, and um, but but it's you, you begin to manipulate because you know that you can, and you know that somebody's going to give in. And so uh, that manipulation again, it's a form of emotional abuse. I don't care how you look at it; it is. Because you're, you're making somebody, you're hurting them emotionally. Uh, and, and I know that I'm in a generation that we're really in touch with, hey, how are we feeling? Like what's going on? The emotional intelligence aspect, how to read the people, how to look at someone and actually read what's going on with them. I'm not talking about it's suspicion. It's nothing like that. But it's honestly to hear what they're saying without them ever saying a word. So manipulation, you do that by those things, and I, I want you to be aware of that. We, we have to be aware of that. I mean, I, I, there's been times where I've had to apologize to my son because I know I've done that. It's, you know, my goodness, you, you scream to your, your blue in the face. Yes, we do. Everything's loud at my house. Even the dogs are loud. Even the cat is loud. I don't even want to go. I could really go somewhere. But, but it, it's just you get to the point. You're like, man, how can I solve this problem? So you resort to manipulating, which is commonly in homes the form of uh, how we abuse one another. I know we're quiet. Maybe you're thinking. Maybe it's you because I'm going to say I've done it and I have to repent of that because that leads down a bad path. Physical abuse, obviously, stop. Men, women, whatever it is towards your children, especially stop. I'll whip you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I might. Don't do it. Um, but emotional abuse, mental abuse, obviously all of those things, I, I hope that, that makes sense. I'm elaborating a little bit more because some of the things that I've seen. So anyway, and I like to talk a little bit. Um, the next question says, what do you do when your spouse is struggling to fight addiction? When they say it, is a, it isn't a problem, and it's causing the family pain. The first step is to express your concerns with your spouse. Always. First thing, talk about it. If there's no improvement, my only advice is pray and love them. If at some point the atmosphere becomes unsafe, then you might need to set up a boundary and separate yourself from that person for a time. Um, we, uh, we experienced this with, uh, my sister and, uh, she fought that. That's a door you open up. And once you open that, we don't ever know. And so I, my, my, towards her last year of her life, 
I uh, forgive me. I, I just I saw a side where I knew she wanted to stop at times, but she just couldn't. And that door's open. And hey, let's say what I've seen of an addict is that there's nothing they won't do to get what they need. They'll manipulate people. They'll play victims so that you'll give in. I'm just going to share from my side as a brother. And I, I, I watched how at times she would feel condemned. And so I, cho- I chose that last year of her life I, when I prayed. I just, cho- I just chose to, to love when we would see her, when we would go over and see her, she would, uh, mom would be babysitting Elijah, and I would go and I would see her. I just chose to love her. Now, I still have my frustrations because I held a grudge, and God dealt with that grudge in me back in 2015. I knew I had to, def- I had to forgive her um, just because I saw what she had done. But, but uh, I saw just she opened a door to those things. And again, opening those doors, whether it's pornography, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's whatever it is, once it's open, it's hard to shut back. And uh, I watched her fight with those things. And so, like I said, I just chose to love her from a distance, prayed. But being in that, and when they don't see that it's a problem, and it could be, again, I don't know exactly what this person is actually struggling struggling with in the family, but regardless of whatever it is, um, Give them tough love, love them, but love. Love them, tell them the truth. Let me tell you something, love is kind, but love is not always nice. Remember that. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, niceness isn't. So, anyway. If kids are involved, I would say sit down and explain to them as best you can what's going on because they need to know the cycle of an addict but also there's a spiritual realm of that as well that I would say you need to let them know because they're going to have questions and they need some answers that's good possibly this is what we were trying to replicate today but it's not working I had the sound guy here and everything trying to figure this out nothing Ain't that always the way that it happens? When you need it to do something, it won't do it. So anyway, all right. Um, is it important to date your spouse? Yes. Yeah, continue to date your spouse. Um, make time. <laughs> it's hard to do if you got babies, I will say that. Yes, you need to date. You need to reconnect with one another as husband and wife. I think a lot of times we get so busy in our day-to-day, our work titles, mom and dad titles, that we forget how to be husband and wife. So I would say taking those moments where it's just you two, whatever that looks like, I think it really helps you to reconnect and remember who you are and what you are to each other. Mm -hmm. enough said. I don't have to say anything to that. Not that I need to. Is it harder to pray for each other? than it is to pray for a stranger? My answer is yes. His answer is probably no. For me, he knows my flaws, and I just feel a little more judged, maybe. Not that he is. That's conviction. You know I'm so holy. That's That's 100% what it is. 100%. Because she never does anything wrong anyway. You know, it's like, (laughs) I told her, and I was like, I don't even know what your flaws are. Ain't that, that's good, brownie points. But I, I was trying to think, I'm like outside of just complaint, getting mad at me because I don't, I don't want to eat hamburger steak tonight. You know what I mean? So anyway, 
That went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Pregnant pole vaulter, whatever you want to say, it went over that way. Um, yeah, that, that's a, whenever Crystal, whenever she went through uh, the, can we talk about the anxiety? This is just kind of spur of the yeah, moment. Absolutely. Be transparent. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of people in culture right now struggling with anxiety. Uh, that they're, at, they're, they're, they're taking medication for. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, I believe that there are gifts with an S of healing. So doctors function and flow in, the, in that vein as well. They have been gifted. It's a gift. It was given to them. They didn't ask for it. It was given to them. And there's some in this room, Reese, some of you guys that function and serve. I mean, uh, you know, just I look through the room, nurses and pharmacists in the room. You've been gifted for a desire to have a knowledge of these things, and that was a God-given thing. So I think there's gifts of healing, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel bad uh, for having to take something if you're chemically imbalanced or something that helps you for a stint of time. Uh, Crystal was uh, like, I mean, it was arrested by anxiety. So I'll let you share a little bit about that if you want to. I don't know if you want to, but your anxiety that was really, it was bad. I mean, it was. It was debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. For a time, I was on medicine. And I know a lot of people say, well, God can heal you. God can heal you. And to my response is I took the medicine because I really needed it. I mean, I couldn't function without it. And and it, it didn't give me anything artificial. It basically just kept my serotonin in my body longer. There was no artificial hormones or anything involved. And so I tell God, I said, I'm going to take this medicine until you heal me. I know you're going to heal me, but I'm going to take it until you heal me. And I took it for two years. And I remember I was sitting right up there doing praise and worship, and it was time for me to get a refill. And I thought, gosh, I need to call and get my medicine refilled. And I heard in my spirit God say, don't get the refill. You know, it, 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 it's time. You're, you're healed. And so I said, okay. And for those of you who have ever taken anxiety medicine, you are not supposed to stop. Like you wean yourself down or it could cause some serious problems. But I just knew in my heart that I was healed, and I didn't wean off. I got off it completely with zero side effects, which is almost unheard of. So I would say if you feel like between you and God you need to take medicine, take the medicine until he heals you, and he will, I promise. Right, and, and I'll say um, Pastor Philip actually walked us through how to deal with it. Because there was a there was some deliverance involved, yep. unforgiveness. I yep. had to do deal with some unforgiveness, and that was my open door to the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't know we were talking about all this. Yeah, I told you we were going to drill deep. I, pro- I I prophesied it. I told you I said it was going to go deep. You did. I, I'm, I'm the man of God. I'm, 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 that's an inside. That's what he joke. says at my house. That's always his response. <laughs> Men, that's all you got to say. I'm the man of God. You want me to do what? And now Elijah says it. Yeah, now Elijah says it. <laughs> like father, like son, that a boy, you know. No, um, but uh, I, I'll say I watched my spiritual father show me how to walk her through it. And that's how I started. So when you say, can you pray, is it hard to pray for your spouse? At times, because you, you're walking with each other and you're so familiar. Familiarity, from, it's a hard word to say. Familiarity breeds content. 
contempt, and it's one of those things you become so familiar at times with one another. You're like, oh, you're sick? Oh, you'll get over it. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean that bad. That sounds bad, I know. But it's just, one of the, you're like, okay, eventually we're going to come through this. Everything's going to be fine. But to honestly stop and say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I just declare that whatever, you know, and, and learn. And honestly, I, Believer's Authority by a, a book that I have referenced so many times to you guys uh, taught me how to pray for the sick, but also with Pastor Philip Kumpel together, I watched and I knew how to speak to that. The problem is, is there's a lot of men in their home that don't pray so they don't have a voice of authority in their home. You, you, you don't pray, you, you need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to pray out loud and pray... Um, <clears throat> Oh, man, I could prophesy right now, and I'll leave that alone because there's a word today. Uh, but uh, not the church is, this church is coming into a season, and I'm just going to go on this for a minute. I don't care if it is relationships. This church is coming into a season where the boldness of the Holy Spirit is going to be flowing in such a, greater, such a measure you've never seen. And it's because I believe that the family unit has a voice of authority. And so, men, you have to learn. You have to grab the scriptures on authority, pray into those, understand who you are so that you can take a stand against stuff, anxiety, depression, and that stuff don't stay long at our house. I know we fight it, and typically anxiety will come. It comes in bouts whenever the church is about to surge forward. The last time it came, we just took a leap, and it came. So we under, now we can see it. It's just catching it on the front end for me. I'm like, man, God, give me, revel, give me discernment of the times and the seasons so I can see the growth coming in the church so that I can take authority over that before it even starts. Uh, so anyway, that, I, I, it is. It can be hard to pray because you're so familiar with one another. I would just encourage you to be alert and be in the room. Mm. Be in the room, AJ. you got to be in the room. I know you're Netflix and watching TV and Crystal's having a conversation with you, but be in the room. All right, let's move on. Um, what do you do? Um, what do you do when each person brings soul ties into, into a marriage? This is a powerful one because most people don't know about soul ties. How many of you know about soul ties? You understand what they are? Uh, soul ties are any type of tie that you've made sexually emotionally and physically, which sexually and physically can happen. It's, it can be any type, of, any type of sexual encounter. Or emotionally, you've been tied to someone. Could have been someone you worked with, you confided in, the opposite sex. So there's a soul tie that's formed. And what happens is, is when you get married, you bring all of those relationships right into a marriage. All of that baggage, especially if there's been, uh, there, especially if there's been sex outside of marriage. And even if you've been married before and that's previous, you need to break soul ties. Uh, and Pastor Philip, I, 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 I did. Pastor Philip walked with me through that whole process of how to do that. And, and I remember the night that I did it, the house, we were living uh, in our family's rent house, and I was, you were working that night, and I, I wrestled with a lot of guilt and shame and condemnation from my past, and I was on the phone with him, and he, he told me what to do. I got off the phone, hit my knees, 
and just begin to declare, in the name of Jesus, I break every uh, sexual, emotional, mental, physical, soul tie, relational uh, soul tie, any uh, relationship I've had that was ungodly from my past, I break it right now in the name of Jesus. I declare that I'm a new creation. And so I just, it was, but I believed it, it was through faith that it was broken. Um, and so that, that's, that's something that's very devastating. Some of the problems that you couples are probably struggling with are probably from a, from a previous relationship that you've never broken. So you want to speak to anything? And I would say after you do that, ask forgiveness from God, your spouse, and then yourself. Forgive yourself for making those decisions out of God's will. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Forgiveness, uh, many people can forgive everybody else but themselves. It's the opposite. Some people struggle to forgive everybody else, or uh, they, they, they struggle to forgive everybody else, but they, they can forgive themselves. But a lot of people, man, I, I, just, I did this, so I deserve to be where I'm at right now. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, you made the decisions and you messed up or whatever it may be, but, but God never intended for you to wallow in your own self-pity and stay where you're at. Well, it's just punishment for what I did. That is a lie. If you're a son, you're royalty. If you're a daughter, you're royalty. You're a king and priest unto the Lord. If you're considered to be dirty and unclean, then that means that you're not saved and the blood of Jesus is not applied to your life. Stop pulling stuff out from under the blood when you have no authority to touch it. That's where a lot of people, they can't move forward because they can't forgive themselves. You need to get up in the morning. I did this. And I'm, man, I'm telling you, it's powerful. It feels weird at first. <laughs> but look in the mirror at yourself and just, I'll just tell you, I said, AJ, I'm choosing to forgive you for the decisions that you made. All of, and I, just my stuff, the things that I did, and I was very specific about it. I forgive you. And it was an every, th- every morning thing until all of a sudden there was a weight lifted off my chest and I felt free. All right, that's it. Um, what do you do when someone shoot? Wait, I miss. Oh, sorry. When is divorce a path to take in marriage? Um. Here's the next question. What do you do? I'm scared. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> all right. So I'm going to tell you because uh, a lot of people, you're probably going to leave the church when I tell you this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, obviously, the first thing is this, infidelity. If there has been an affair uh, um, where the act of adultery has happened, that is automatic grounds for divorce. Outside of that, biblically, we don't see that there is somewhere else. However, what I would say, and this is Pastor AJ, and I'm going to tread very cautiously on this, but because I value the sanctity of human life, if you are in an abusive relationship where someone, you're in fear of your life, unless you've heard from God that this is you, I have always told those that I have counseled that have walked through this, hey, if you're in fear of your life and you're concerned that you're going to die, then you need to get away. That's what I've always said. Now, biblically, the only grounds that you see in Scripture is adultery, infidelity, an affair of something to that effect. I'm just telling you, I, I'm, I am not my babies, especially if you have children and children involved and there's an abusive spouse, a man or a woman, and you're, you're concerned about your life. I'm just, unless you've heard from God, why would you? I'm just asking. 
You, you, you figure that out on yourself. Why, why would you stay in that for, the, for, for, for getting killed yourself or your children? Now, again, that, that's me. That's what I have always said, and I, I have to tread on this line very cautiously because, well, bless God, you stay in there. And I, I get it. People have. I've heard the testimonies. Some of y'all that have heard uh, some of the, the old-timers talk about uh, abusive husbands that are drunkards coming home and beating their, their wife and beating their kids, and then the wife would stay in there and pray, and, and, and things would shift and turn. I've heard those stories. I've heard those stories. I'm just telling you, that's, this is what I've seen. I, I, I wouldn't want to see one of you dead or your children, something happen. I'm just saying. I know it's, that's a hard question. So I can't, I'm just telling you from my heart. So, And I would say just because someone is unfaithful, that doesn't mean the end has to be divorced. We right. have sat through many sessions with people who have experienced that, and God has totally restored their marriage. So I would say that's not necessarily an end all. Oh, yeah. If and both are on board. Right, right. I have. I've, I've seen that and uh, just... In the past, and different ones that I've sat in the room with, and I and I have had a prophetic word for it. And I, I the first thing is I, I ask when that happens is, do you guys want to work this out? That's the first question I ask. If they say, well, forgiveness. Wanna, you can tell if one does and one doesn't, then I'm just like, if you don't, well, then this conversation's over. Let's not waste each other's time. I mean, I'm, I don't mean to be bad because I want to. I don't. I want to see the marriage. I do, y'all. I don't, con- I don't condone divorce, by the way. I hope y'all know that, okay? I am absolutely, we would say before it gets to that point, you guys take some time and separate. Don't, don't, don't divorce. Don't do that. Do your best if, if, there's, if there's problems to the point to where whatever. But when it comes to infidelity, hey, we've seen them restored. And I've, I've given, there was a couple one time, I gave them a prophetic word. I said, I'm telling, and I felt it in my heart. I said, if you guys choose to work this out, and there was infidelity, I said, and they're, they're not here, by the way. I said, if you choose to work this out, I said, God's going to move on your behalf, and he's going to restore your marriage. And he did. He did. He restored it. But they had the, it was, you know where it, you know where it stemmed from? It stemmed from uh, back when they were so busy, back in their life when they were so busy, one was already, went a different path, and the other one, i, I got to be general in that. But they, 20 years prior, they both went different paths, but they were living in the same house. Communication broke down, and one thing led to another. So you want to know how powerful communication is. That's 20 years living in the same house going through just roommates. You don't want to do that. Nobody in this room wants to do that, right? Okay, we got to keep moving. Oh, yeah, wait. Yes, right here. What do you do when someone chooses only to seek the Lord when it's convenient to help a young person but doesn't do it daily? Um, I would say talk about it. if that's a concern, kind of maybe gently point that out. And then because af- you could be dealing with the religious mindset in that type of area, but ultimately their relationship is between them and Jesus. Right, right. Yeah, I, and, and they may not notice that. So I think it's good to just address it. Converse, again, communication and conversation. Um, here's the next question that um, it's, it says, what are some tips for couples who have... Uh, remarried with stepkids, <clears throat> we're, we don't know that because we've never experienced that. So we're going to defer to Kyle and Kina. Excellent on, on, uh, in, in marriage, by the way, and I've heard nothing but great stuff from their, their life group on Sunday morning. So uh, you guys can take it away.
Well, most of you know our story, but for those of you that don't, um, when Kyle and I met, he had two adult daughters, and I had three children at home. I have two boys and a girl. And um, every situation's different, but I can tell you what we experienced. And um, first thing, your marriage is a very important thing. That's the most important thing. So if you're married and, and you have stepchildren, work on your marriage. Let that be your focus. Put God in the center of your marriage. When you do that, that's going to filter down into your family. That's first and foremost. Um, there's just so many things. Every situation is different, but I think the common ground is you've got to put the children high priority because they have gone through so many changes. Um, you know, they've lost their biological parent in some way, either through divorce or death, and you're bringing this new person into their life. So you've got to put their interests first and foremost. And in their situation, even with Kyle's daughters, they were adults, but it was a big deal for them too. And you don't need to take that lightly if you have adult children. It affects them. Just It does affect them. Maybe not as much as children at home, but you do need to consider that. But I think when we met, my kids were like 15, 12, and 5. I don't know. They were young. So when he walked into my life, I had to think about them and their interest. Um, be patient with them. Yes. Communication is very important. And when I say be patient, that goes for both the parent and the step-parent. Because with, with Kyle, he didn't want to roll in and just take charge because their father is still in their life. And he wanted to respect the role of their father. And I know every situation is different, but in their situation, um, Kyle and their father had a conversation before we married and then after we married, and they set boundaries. Um, we want to make sure that we're not competing with the other parents. Um, because, you know, kids can play against, they can play you against yes. each other. So you want to make sure you clearly communicate with every party that's involved, the other parents. Um, and then with the children, we tried very hard to make our home a, a peaceful place. They need to feel secure. So Kyle and I, we made it a point to you know, make it as peaceful as possible at home and have open communication. Um, and I would say strive to love no matter what. And when I say love, that means love everybody. Um, I did ask my, my children at once we were presented that we were going to be doing this. I asked them, I said, can you tell me something from your perspective, uh, anything that we did wrong that you would like that we've done different or anything that we did right. And the only response I got from the one that talks, <laughs> uh, she said, <laughs> she said, I'm so thankful that you included dad in everything and that you didn't fight. You know, my husband did me wrong and I had every reason to be angry with him every day of the rest of my life. But I choose daily to forgive, just like we talked about. Forgiveness is so important and it's just not worth it. So I choose to forgive, and we would go to ball games when the boys would play ball, and we'd all sit together. 
you know, and I think that gives the children, you know, security knowing that we all got along. And before I hand it to him, he, I'm sure he's got something to say, but I do want to say this because God laid this on my heart while we were sitting there. If you're a single person and you want to marry someday, don't discount someone that has children because when Kyle and I met, he got a lot of opposition from people that loved him dearly because he had raised his two daughters and now he was going to date someone with three children at home. You know, they're like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> but I'm so thankful that he took the risk because I don't know where I would be or where my kids would be if he hadn't um, made the decision to be, become my husband. I'm very thankful for that. I think she summed up everything I was going to say, so there we go. But I, I will say this. It does take time. It doesn't happen overnight with, with the kids, okay, because we had, we had time together before we got married. I mean, we dated over a year before we, before we got married. We got used to each other some. The kids, when I stepped in their, their lives, they, haven't, they hadn't been around me as much, so they had to, they had to learn to trust me. Uh, they had to learn to trust me, and that takes time. So, so just be patient. I, I just want to say be patient because they're going through change, you're going through change, and just be patient. And you got room to love all, your kids, her kids, and, and, and your wife. So you got, you got room to love. There you go. That's good. I couldn't ask for a better answer or response. Um, you guys are amazing. Um, I, I, this next question, we got just a few more. How is singleness addressed in the Bible? I'm going to um, <clears throat> look. I look to the scripture in 1 Corinthians 7 um, when it talks about Paul said, Yet I wish that all men were even as I am. And that's the fact that he was, he was single. However, each person has their own gift from God. Paul's gift was celibacy. He was able to refrain from those things and stay away from that. And uh, um, he said, uh, one in this manner and one in that. So you have your different gifts. Um, verse 8, he said, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it's good for them to remain even as I. But if they cannot have self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, then let them marry. So if you can't control those things, if that's something the, uh, your, your, your desires of the flesh are overwhelming, which we know we're in the, we, the flesh, if we're not careful, it can, regardless if you're uh, married or not. Um, he said, for it is, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Uh, so I, I defer to that. If that is something specific you feel that God's called you to, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And don't let anybody, when are you going to get married? When are you going to this? And when to, no, if, if that's not, if it's your call, because Paul said it himself. He even says there, he says, now I say this is not a law, but it's if, if it is that you can, then remain that way. But again, get married. Don't do anything outside the confines of marriage is what he's saying if you can't, uh, and, and you know, if you remain single in that way. So anyway, and that's not, that doesn't speak to living together. That's speaking to um, single and away from that aspect of it. I, I could take you deeper in that. He's dealing with a church that's very dysfunctional, by the way. If you've ever read anything about the Corinthian church, they're messed up like a soup sandwich. It's bad. So 
They were zealous for the gifts of the Spirit. They were very charismatic. But anyway, um, how is your marriage different now that you're in ministry as a pastor? Oh, my goodness. It has changed so much. Um, I have so much more responsibilities, and you feel the weight of your people. Um, even, when you f- even when you're not doing anything, you feel like you need to be doing something. I need to be texting somebody. I need to be calling somebody. I need to do something. And so your brain never slows down. And with me, I, I struggle with that anyway. Um, and and the, so the fight to be present with my family. Listen, this is for all of everybody in the room. The fight to be present with my family is hard. It really is. Um, so when I'm in the room, I have to be in the room. And I still struggle with that. And, and I haven't overcome that. I ask Pastor Eddie so many times, often, talk with Pastor Bob, two fathers in my life. I'm asking them all the time, how do I, how, how do I move in that? Because I, I hear Crystal, he's, you know, hey, you need to, whatever, because she's good at telling me those things. You need to slow down. You need to, you know, whatever. So it's like, it's so hard for me. So I have to, um, I have to really focus and be with be present with the family. Um, anything that you do for God is a sacrifice. I don't want to go so deep into this, but it's true. I don't care if you're in ministry or not. Anything that you do for God is going to be a sacrifice. And so um, in ministry, you both have to be on the same page. You got to, if one doesn't want it and the other one does, it'll never work. I don't care how gifted and how anointed and how great you are. You both have to be on the same page or else it will not work. We've seen it too much. Um, Crystal, I'll just give her a shout out to this. I, I have always, uh, since 2011 maybe, come early on Sunday mornings. I'll get here anywhere from uh, 5.30 to 5.45 to pray, to prepare myself before you all come into the room. She gives me that opportunity to leave home, come here, and uh, I, I iron clothes and stuff on, on Saturday night. Uh, press clothes, get stuff ready for the kids. I'm always celebrating whenever there's nothing to iron on Saturday night. It's great. Uh, auto start my coffee, get everything prepped. So all I have to do is come here and pray, focus on presence, people, and all that good stuff. But she empowers me to do that. But it's not me doing all, well, I'm doing them. No, we're connected. There is a connection there. What I receive and whatever facet of blessing, increase, spiritual, whatever, we're linked so she receives it as well. So uh, that, But Pastor Eddie has been very adamant about telling me, hey, when you guys go on a conference trip, take your wife. Make sure she's going with you. Uh, just simply because she needs to receive too. Um, we're in that season where we have the children, the little small children, and I'm asking God, God, help me to absolutely learn and squeeze all of this goodness out of this season with my toddler and with my eight-year-old because I know many of you have children that's graduating high school, already graduated. You look up and they're gone. Um, I don't know what that's like, so I'm not going to speak to that, but so I'll, I want to know that I'm, I'm doing everything I can to watch Emerson spin circles in the living room and say, Dad, look, Dad, look, Dad, look, you know, to really pay attention. So, but ministry is something that is, oh, it, it, it's so much because your heart's in it. You love it. You love, uh, you love the aspect of ministering to people. So is there anything you wanted to speak into that? Um, I knew that whenever we said yes to this, that there would be a sacrifice, so I was definitely prepared. The family was prepared that, you know, we were willing to make this sacrifice. We just didn't know what it looked like um, because just with anything, it, it's, it, it's really tough. Um, you know, you feel like that, and I'm not, I know I'm talking about people, but just being honest, transparent, you feel like you do the very best you can at times, but you still feel, I'm one of those that I can fall into the imposter syndrome. If you don't know what that is, just check it out. 
You feel like you're never good enough. You feel like you're whatever, whatever, whatever. But that's the mindset of an orphan. And so I have to remember, oh, I'm a son. God, you're pleased with me. And so I have to keep that constantly in the forefront of my mind. So anyway, um, hope that answers those questions. Um, This question says, recently with COVID and cultural divisiveness, building strong relationships have become extremely challenging. How can we begin to overcome these challenges? Uh, The first thing that came to mind when I read this question, and I'm just going to tell you for myself, is keep the gospel the central theme of your relationships. Keep the good news of Jesus. If people don't embrace you because of the color of your skin, because of... Uh, because of the way that you think, the way, again, let it all line up with kingdom. We ought to be looking for kingdom, right? God, let the kingdom be established because all of that that happened in that time, it, this is how you know it was the enemy. How many things happened in 2020 back to back to back to back to back, every bit of it? Well, I know we've seen it back in this. I didn't see it in the 60s, so I don't know. I know it was bad. I understand all, from what you read from, let me just say that. But we just went through 70 years of history in one year. You know what I'm saying? Or 100 years of history in one year. So it was bad. So I think that the people of God have to keep the the kingdom of God as the central focus. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. I don't know. Kingdom of God keep the gospel the central focus. I'm serious. I know that's a preachy, churchy answer, but that's what came to mind. I feel like the Lord just said, keep the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Let him be the central focus. And for those that don't want to build relationships with you, I'm going to move on down the road. It's all right. If you leave me, you weren't meant to stay with me. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying, I have to get there. That's AJ. Look, I'm the one that struggles when people walk away. Oh man, why did that? Why? I can't believe it. But sometimes God has to lead you in a wilderness season to remove relationships that's detrimental to your future. And if you can't see that, it's a good thing because he saw it first, right? So I'm thankful for those that had to leave. I'm thankful for, oh, that sounds bad. I'm a pastor saying that. I'm thankful for those that had to leave. I'm, I'm thankful for how God has directed our steps because I know we're, you know you're in the will of God. You're praying it. You're asking it. God will direct your steps. He directs your relationships. When we pray, we pray spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, and physically. Cover us, God. Lead us in every, all six of those areas relationally. Give me friends that I need. Remove the ones that, that, are, that, are, that I don't need. Send me godly relationships. All right. Um, uh, the last question, AJ, come on up. Um, what is your favorite thing to do as a couple? Just lay on the couch and not do anything. <laughs> just lay there and just... We are lazy. My mouth open and just... And then all of a sudden you hear somebody holler, one of the kids, and it's like, oh my gosh, I was almost asleep. Uh, no, we, we do. We, we really... Well, for us, we... we um, Baseball has started up, so I, I love that with my son, and it's a family affair this time of year. You know, you pick them all up, and we're all going to ball games and stuff, but really going out to, to eat and, and spend that time. I mean, it's just family time. Now it's summertime. Uh, I didn't really understand how important vitamin D was to you, but getting out in the sun does some really good, really good stuff. I'll walk out. Like, we've been in, in the church all day for, you know, doing stuff around here. I'll walk outside. And I, pop, they, they probably think I'm crazy over here at the county department. I'll just stand outside and I'll just go. 
And I'll look up, make sure, oh, come on, there's nobody just looking at me. <laughs> but it's just like, she told me, she's like, vitamin D, get outside. It's so good for you. So I try to, I try to get outside and get some vitamin D. So that's what we enjoy to do. We do enjoy, uh, I enjoy, we've actually, I led uh, uh, David and Sa- uh, Sandra, this co- uh, they're not a couple, it's just mother and, do- mother and son to the Lord before service. So you want to know one of the, my favorite things to do that I get to do this all with her, um, but also it's to, to baptize a new believer. I think it's amazing uh, to watch God transform people's lives. Uh, and thank God we're not part of a dead church. I'm just telling you. I tell our staff all the time, you better be thankful that we're not sitting here twiddling our thumbs and being like, I don't know what we're going to do this week. You know what I mean? We're constantly moving, moving forward. And so... God's been so good to us. I want to say for each of these topics, if we personally haven't been through it, we know somebody that has. So if you're dealing with any of these things, please come to me and I will speak to you about my situation or I will direct you to someone who can. Help is available. We just got to reach out to each other. And I'd say, uh, too, also, which there there are some... I'll say this and we're done. Um... There are some very helpful uh, podcasts and things that Crystal has listened to, everything, ladies, from health to other topics. We'll just leave it at that. And the problem is, is that we don't want to present certain things to people because you may be, wherever you're at in your Christian journey, you may be a baby Christian. So I don't mean, it's not bad. It's just that we don't want to give you something that, you would listen to it like, oh man, that just, that doesn't make, you know, we, because as you grow in Christ, you learn how to chew on the meat and spit out the bones. You listen to different people that can pour into your life and give you wisdom and understanding and discernment on situations. So that's, that's what I'd say as well. If you have any questions about that, please, please see her. Um... Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.